0: It's the pre-party. We haven't done the show yet, but we want to give you a little extra content you can get only right here on the podcast by subscribing. Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, Spain and Fitz. Sarah, this is the last weekend that we have before the NFL kicks into high gear. And, you know, at least hopefully we get a bunch of college football meaningful action that starts mostly next weekend. So this is the last big weekend where you can kind of do whatever you want. Any big plans?
1: Well, first of all, I, I'm, I'm glad and proud of myself that you didn't re- need to remind me of that because I literally made some brunch plans for the 13th, and then I was like, what am I doing? That's the first weekend of NFL. Like, everybody stay away from me. Of course I'm not making any plans. Um, yeah, but I, I'm glad that I, I myself had, had taken a look at my calendar and thought, whoa, hold on. Um, so tonight I'm actually going to an outdoor comedy show. Um, no way. Yeah, so my friend messaged and said that he found out about this comedy that's on a stoop and they do them every friday night and so i'm gonna be a little bit late because we got our show but uh gonna go watch some live comedy on a stoop um (laughs) and then i actually just purchased tickets for my first live music of the last i haven't been since uh end of february early march when i was at the uh, innings fest which is always around the same time we're out at spring training out in arizona and so uh no live music since then and in two weeks or so i'll be at uh Mount Joy show, uh, drive-in uh, at, the, at the Planetarium parking lot in Chicago. So I'm lining up some stuff that uh, is a little unusual. I'm going to the Cubs-Cardinals doubleheader on a rooftop. Uh, so live baseball, kind of. Um, you know, whatever, whatever I can do to try to approximate a somewhat normal summer in the waning days of it. Because once it gets cold again, I have no idea what the hell I'm going to do with myself.
0: You are kicking 2020's ass at this point. I mean, that <laughs> Can't is keep spe- me down. <laughs> like I'm, I'm sitting here listening to all that, thinking, wow, I really need to rethink some things in my life. Like hey, the what driving concerts. Um, I'm going to watch Halloween movies all week. Like I feel like <laughs> it's, it, yeah, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to watch. It's Halloween nice movies. out.
1: Go outside it, uh, uh, while you can.
0: Okay. That is fair. But, you know, what I find and this is just sort of one of the this is like the biggest first world complaint in the entire world. So I'm not really complaining. But as you know, Halloween is like the biggest season for me. And and it's been everything for Sonny and I for years. Right. So uh, I know how much the season means and what I found last year in the, you know, very I'm, I'm very thankful to get to work a ton in college football. But I found that between college football and the NFL I hit uh, Halloween last year with absolutely no concept of feeling like it was Halloween. Like I felt like I really missed my favorite season of the year. So I decided that I would make it a tradition that the weekend before everything really gets going, I am just going to binge watch all of my favorite horror movies back okay. to back to back to back. So I all can at least right. say that I saw them. That was my... Because my, I, I realized last year when I hit uh, Halloween, I was like, man, I didn't watch the original Halloween. I didn't watch Scream. And those are like movies that... That I look forward to every year. So right, you know, I do that with but,
1: Christmas movies. Halloween, not so much. Although I should mix some in in this year. But I, Christmas movies, like if the season ends and I haven't gotten the five or six that I watch every year, I get bummed about it. Like I feel like, oh, I didn't really get my, you know, cr- curling up on the couch with my tree and my wrapping and everything else. Um, I'll tell you what happened to me with Halloween that was like a, a dagger to the heart. I got an ad on my Facebook for a website that I sometimes buy like jewelry from. And it said, Get ready for Zoom Oween with our new oh. Halloween jewelry and accessories. And it felt like a, a blow to the heart.
0: Like, I can't think of anything sadder than whatever the f- Zoom is supposed to be. Look, can we just like, because I've seen all of these posts about the fact that Halloween is essentially going to be canceled by a lot of places. And I get, like, as you know, especially because of health concerns in my family, I've been very, very, very cautious all the way across the board. I've been as quarantined as I think anybody possibly can be. And I, you know, I've really tried to mind every step of my life. That being said, like candy's prepackaged, right. And kids are wearing a mask in Like you could easily put your kid in a mask and let them just go trick or treat, which seems like that would be sort of actually ironically playing within the rules of what everybody wants. We
1: should combine what you just said With athleticism, which is that you should be chucking candy at kids and they have to catch it in their uh, plastic pumpkin in order to make off with it. They're social distancing. uh, It combines athleticism, sports, masks, candy, all the good stuff. Just chuck the candy at the kids and they have to be deft enough to catch it. And otherwise, they either have to go to the ground and uh, wrestle for it uh, or they just have to walk away with nothing.
0: You know what, that that sounds spectacular, although, you know, I do fear some of my more athletic friends chucking it too hard and then all of a sudden kid down, like a block away, it's can you peg the kid? Yeah, you it's got like, a
1: fre- you got a fresh apple instead of a tiny Snickers, and all of a sudden things get a little bit more interesting. I mean, you're
0: talking straight elf <laughs> snowball scene, like it looks like he's gone and all of a sudden, bam, you catch him from the Now back. I'm really into
1: this. I <laughs> I don't want to injure any children, but I do want to whip some stuff at them.
0: I mean, that's that. Look, I'm not even saying no to that. I I have to be. Got to earn it this I, year, kids. I mean, I gotta, gotta, <laughs> the one nice thing about no Halloween though, it, it saves me because you know we we've like been trying to figure out life in two different cities, and now Connecticut. I'm I've bought a house there, and it's sort of setting down like a life in Connecticut, and it's it's an interesting spot to be in because I need to get. Uh, Halloween decor from outside and anybody that's ever followed on social media, I have all of these mannequins. And, you know, last year I think we had 32 different Halloween movies represented in the front lawn. So it's an undertaking. So it actually helps me, the cheap person in me, it helps me that there's not going to be like a big Halloween party this year because I can wait till the day after and buy a bunch of the stuff half off and then next year be racked and loaded and ready to go for a massive Halloween party. Okay. But you're still
1: doing something on the front lawn.
0: Because in, that's in, in, it's that's more Nashville, important yes. than ever. In,
1: because in, if in you na- th- think about it, if you don't get to have a regular Halloween party and you don't get to maybe have the same trick-or-treating, driving by your spectacular Halloween setup might be the
0: only joy people get on this zoom Which is Which is why Sonny's already been obsessed with it and already been working her tail off on it. And like, yes, Nashville will have the full setup. Connecticut's never seen the setup. And I live next to, like, a retired alderman that every time, like, I do anything in my lawn, he likes to come out and walk it and make sure that I'm, like, right within the rules. So I'm going to wait to really piss him off until I've got the full display. Like, let him go nuts when I've put 30 or 40 different zombies outside crawling over the fence that I'm about to put in around. I mean, I also
1: like, think maybe you just skip Halloween movies this year and just do a representation of the last seven months. <laughs> just, just like a person, like, one of the mannequins has a mask on. Uh, you know, there's a giant COVID-19-looking ball with, like, the red stuff sticking out of it. Uh, You know, uh Maybe canceled one Big person, Ten dummy. <laughs> you,
0: you go through, like, one person's journey through, 2020. through 2020. Like, 2020. In the beginning, they're happy, and by the end of it, they're murdering everybody. And it's yeah, I mean, all, in uh, theory,
1: the scariest scene that you could do is just have a parent out there with their kid's virtual learning from home. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, a, kid, a parent, like some of the parents that we know well that are suddenly trying to figure out how to balance, like, trigonometry and they have no idea what to tell their kids. Like, I'm so glad we never had kids because I wouldn't know what to do at this point. I'd be like, I don't know, Google it. That would be my answer for everything, for every project. That's why I'm glad I'm not a parent. Uh, all right, this is, uh, so what Surprisingly we Surprisingly we... depressing pre-party. Uh, yeah. no, honestly, no, 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 the, no. the concept of Zuma
1: is such a crushing blow. I, I might not survive it.
0: You're talking driving concerts, which by the way I've heard great reviews on. I know a bunch of people that have gone to them. I've heard great reviews on driving concerts. And yeah, I'm pumped. you're gonna see a comedy show. Like you are having and frankly, I'm I'm gonna sit back and, you know, uh partake in something and then watch a bunch of Halloween oh, really? movies. That's all you know, that's that's yeah, I mean just Some all boneless wings life.
1: maybe. Some, Some spicy ones.
0: nugs. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just see we'll see Some you saucy never know bites. It. By the end of uh, the I'll weekend, send you I'll some photos of
1: all see. my various uh, attendances, including the fact that I will be going to my third and fourth live baseball games of 2020. Try to find someone who's gone to as many that doesn't work for one of the teams.
0: Yeah. But kudos to you before anybody yells at Sarah, if you haven't seen the pictures, she's been able to do it in an incredibly safe oh, way. So just extremely. just sit it's down, a, a 250 in in
1: person book. place that they allow 20 people and it's got four floors. I can't even yell across the room to anybody because they're on the different floors. So I'm doing it right. I'm doing that's, it right. And, and I'm not paying hundreds of dollars. And yes, it is because I know somebody and that's life sometimes. So suck it.
0: No, Jealous. See this, I love this. Like We've gotten a little <laughs> happiness, a little bit of joy, a little bit of talking. Like This has been the yeah. perfect pre-party. We'll tell you on Monday how everything went. In the meantime, stick around, hang out, and check out our show tonight, Spain and Fitz. This is a little bit of what we gave the world on ESPN Radio for a couple of hours on Friday. This time yesterday, the top two seeds in the East in the NBA were hanging on by a thread. Last night we got an answer for one of them on how it looks now. Tonight we'll find out how much desperation the Bucks are facing. It's Spain and Fitz on ESPN radio, the ESPN app Sirius XM, Channel eighty. We're presented by Progressive Insurance, and all of our guests will join us on the Shell Penzo Performance Line, she's Sarah Spain. I'm Jason Fitz, and Sarah, boy, what an ending. I mean, sometimes you get... I know, it's easy to make a great game, a great ending into a great game, I should say. It's easy to take, like the nail-biting moment at the end and say, that was a spectacular game. But by God, I was watching the end of the Raptors-Celtics game last night and I found myself yelling at my TV like I had a a rooting interest in it. The Raptors sneak out with the 104-103 win over Boston and somehow Toronto manages to hang on at least by a thread. They find themselves down now 2-1 instead of 3-0, which is an important lesson as we all know what 3-0 can mean for a playoff series.
1: Uh, First of all, this is the final time you will be allowed to say anything to me on a friday before you say happy friday oh my god
0: you know what uh, you know I, i've hold on i've been working on this i've worked on this all day are uh, you ready for this here ready for this happy friday much better a little Thank bit you. a
1: little bit musical theater but i'll give it to uh, you that's what i was going oh, for I'll i was going for
0: very 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 musical theater um music theater yeah
1: yeah that pass was unbelievable and a number <laughs> of things made that last play for the raptors possible First of all, Lowry picking up on something that Chris Paul also picked up on, these very smart point guards realizing there's a lot of extra room along that sideline because the fans are not sitting right up against it. So back up a little bit gives you a little more vision around a giant in Taco Fall, which I think he used to his advantage. But perfect pass, lands right in the pocket, allows him to get the shot off within that time, which is incredibly limited, 0.5 or whatever it was. Um and then for, for, for you know, OG Ananobi to not have taken a shot the entire second half and to be confident enough to, to, to put that three away and then stoically walk towards his ecstatic teammates, just all the different pieces together, which included uh, Tatum and Brown having a miscommunication about whether they would follow Ananobi a, a, around that perimeter, um, it all came together to save the season for the Raptors, you go down 3-0 and you're in big trouble. And I don't know if they walk away thinking that was too close for comfort. We still are being mostly dominated by a Celtics team that's taken two and three quarters out of out of three games. Or if this is the thing that sort of snaps them back into play and allows them to compete like we saw for most of the regular season.
0: We're brought to you by Firestone Complete Auto Care. Their technicians are proud to keep your car running. Newer, longer, Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. And, you know, two things there, Sarah. One, the stoic walk. I just, I was laughing at that. You describe it perfectly. I don't even have that level of composure if I hit that type of shot in a video game. So just watching him walk back with that level of swagger was, I, I think, unbelievable. But and then they asked him was- about
1: it. and He's like, I don't shoot shots not to put them in. <laughs> that was just his answer. Like, I just knew it was going in. I don't shoot shots to miss.
0: <laughs> well, you know what? Now we know the difference, if if we didn't already, between him and most people that have ever played basketball in a gym where y- <laughs> you think it's going in, but you don't believe it. I'm just saying. And uh, the other part of it is, as you pointed out, I mean, the Celtics – were a miracle away from getting themselves up 3 nothing, and you have to look at this that series. In my mind, I don't know that it changed anything about how sh- shook I am by the way the series is playing out. I mean, I thought Toronto was going to be the better team, and even in that game, it certainly felt to me like Boston had every opportunity to again – be the better team and show out to go up three, nothing. So, you know, while the, the result obviously keeps them in the series, there's still a lot that needs to change, which I think has has to be part of the message for the Bucks heat tonight, no matter how it ends up right now, Milwaukee's up 34, 29, but this is the same level of desperation. It'll be interesting to see if Milwaukee can crawl their way out of it the way that Toronto did last night.
1: Yeah. I will say that as much as the Celtics have certainly looked like the better team through three, I don't look at those two teams and say, or this series, and say for certain that Boston's going to come out on top. From what I've seen from the Raptors all season long, especially their really unique approach to defense and the way they can change things up and really get teams on their heels not knowing what to expect, I think there's a good chance that they fight their way back into this and this becomes a really good series. I don't know if I could say the same for what I've seen from the Heat and the Bucks so far. Now they're, you know, early into the second in that one. Milwaukee's up 34-29 on Miami. But what I've seen from Miami so far has been, we're going to figure out how to beat you. The first game, you're not going to score in the paint at all. And everyone's going to say, well, that's the way Milwaukee gets theirs. They need to shoot better inside. They need to, you know, be able to get those high percentage points. And and that's the reason they lost. Then Miami comes out and allows 52 points in the paint to the Bucks in game two and still gets the win. Now it was closer it was absolutely down and it could have been anyone's game the way those fouls and calls went late in it. But the fact that they were allowing a little bit more of what the Bucks do for their bread and butter and still manage to come out on top, if you're if you're Miami, you're feeling pretty confident in yourself that you let them play their game a little bit more and you still found a way to win.
0: Well, the Bucks certainly need to get in the zone if they're gonna make this a series. Get in the zone brought to you by AutoZone. Get in the zone, autozone. And, you know, sometimes you gotta to look to some of our best minds and try and get a sense of what's going on here. And I think Bobby Marks had something really interesting to say, you know, when he was with us and talking about the Bucks in general, but where their playoff struggles come from.
2: There are teams that are, they have that DNA playoff mentality, which I think Miami does. I don't know if Milwaukee has it. I know last year falling short to Toronto this year with, um, um, you know, where they're in a the hole right now. I mean, at the end of the day, they need the supporting cast to play better. I mean, between Middleton and, and Bledsoe and, uh, you know, Brooke had a pretty good game, um, you know, George Hill there. Um, the, the concern going into this series was the ability for Miami, Miami's bread and butter is, is the long game. And with Robinson and Hero and Dragic just playing great, they're going to probably have to make some type of adjustment there where maybe you, you're willing to give up points in the paint and, to, you know, to defend kind of the perimeter a little bit better.
0: Sir, when you hear playoff DNA, I, I mean, it's an interesting concept because we hear it so often. I just can't figure out where it actually comes from. How do you get playoff DNA?
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's an easy narrative. Uh, we'll find out if it proves true. I think you can absolutely get playoff DNA from someone like Spolstra. Like This is a guy who's got some something like a 67% win percentage in the playoffs. Um, he's led a number of different teams uh, to some serious success. Uh, Budenholzer doesn't have that reputation, right? Uh, he's still trying to build who he is as a postseason coach. Same goes for Giannis. You've got a guy in Jimmy Butler who at least had some experience with the Bulls and then with the Timberwolves. You've got Andrea Iguodala who clearly has a bunch of uh, of, of uh, veteran presence that he can bring to the table for the Heat. I think we'll find out uh, whether it's a matter of construction on this Bucks team or veteran uh, status and veteran uh, presence. Uh, Right now, Giannis, I think, is so early in his tenure that you could compare him to Jordan in his early years before he managed to get the title, or even LeBron when he had back-to-back MVPs and wasn't able to take his team out of the earlier rounds. I think there's a growing period for these guys to figure out what it takes to win a cross-series in the postseason against really good teams, but also Budenholder needs to have a a bit of an eye on him and see if he's using his guys and, and strategize in the right way.
0: Well, and that's such a great point when you talk about one of the issues I think we haven't focused enough on. We give a lot of credit to Eric Spolster, and rightfully so, for everything that you just mentioned. I mean, he deserves that. We don't necessarily give a lot of credit or blame to Milwaukee in a coaching sense. And I think that's a little surprising because at some point, the onus has got to fall on somebody's feet. It's a little like the, the Philly conversation we had where when you've got a couple of great com- great players, you know that great players can win games. So if there's a problem, it's easiest to go in and dump the coach. I'm not sure, and I'm not saying that Budenholzer's a a problem, but if Milwaukee can't get to the next level, rather than give up on Giannis, it's much easier for an organization to bring in a different voice and see if a coach can do something differently. Because, frankly, Sarah, Miami just seems to look like they know what they're doing at a higher level than Milwaukee. And whether that's experience or coaching, either way, it just feels like they have the upper hand, not just in talent uh, at this point, but also in the way that they're playing these games.
1: We are uh, looking right now at what could help decide not just the future of this playoff series or this playoffs in general, but also Giannis' trip in the NBA, his journey within the NBA, and his uh, duration of his time in Milwaukee. This is a huge game.
0: Yeah, and that's the one thing that's interesting about the bubble is that some of the losers of these series— are going to pay huge, huge prices for it because it's going to affect the future of those franchises. It's Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. Got a lot of NBA we'll get into over the course of the night, obviously, with the playoffs going on. But more news out of Washington today, surprising news. Plus, the dysfunction just keeps coming from the Washington football team. We'll get you caught up on everything going on there next. Spain and Fitz, ESPN Radio, and and the ESPN app. That's right. It's the Fry-Yay edition. I gave a little, like, just a little spank there, like a little aggressiveness, like a fright, yay.
3: I'm
0: sorry, did you say spank? Yeah, I gave it a little spank there. I gave it okay. a little, like, a little. All little right, yeah. Carry on. Okay, Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, why do I feel like that's going to end up as a drop somehow? <laughs> uh, ESPN Radio, the ESPN app series, XM Channel 80, presented by Progressive Insurance. She's Sarah Spain, I'm Jason Fitz. ESPN Radio, like I said, presented by Progressive Insurance. Progressive's Home Quote Explorer, changing the way you buy home insurance. Now, you can go online, get a custom quote, and save both time and money. Look at that. Learn more at Progressive.com. Progressive is not a word that many people use when they describe the Washington football team, Sarah. And <laughs> obviously, we've talked a lot uh, over the course of even our short time back together. About the dysfunction within the organization, but before we get to breaking that down, some surprising news today to many as the team has decided to part ways with Adrian Peterson, a running back that's had tremendous uh, production for the team over the last couple of years. Obviously, uh, but he's not a he's not a spring chicken. We know that. Diana Rossini was uh, our ESPN uh, NFL reporter was on get Up and she talked about the mentality for the team and why they chose to release Peterson.
4: The initial shock of this, due to the fact that there really haven't been a lot of grumblings from Washington about his camp. If anything, I've heard nothing but great things about Adrian Peterson's production at camp and his development and his mental focus. But remember, this is a 36-year-old running back who's been on four teams now, and I'm talking to a source in Washington right now, and he said, for, for us, it's really just because we like our younger guys. It's really just about an age thing for us and the fit. And for us, it's time to move on. It fits to me,
1: I think what you do is you look at someone's production and you say, it's going down, oh, it's because they're 35. And by the way, 35 turns 36 in March. Um, versus his production looks fine, but he's old, so let's get rid of him. He led the team in rush in the last two years, 1,940 yards, 12 touchdowns. Um, he was running first-team reps. Just because his age would tell you he's past his peak as a running back in this league, you also could have said the same about it when he tore his ACL, and then he came back miraculously better than ever. I mean, this, to me, feels like, okay, you got you got your young running backs that you really want to see out there. It's a totally fine plan. But what if they aren't ready to produce and you've gotten rid of a veteran simply because of age instead of figuring out that you might need a veteran presence on this team with a brand new coach and a new president and a whole bunch of other things changing a new name or eventually they'll find a name. Um, Darius Geis already cut because of the uh, domestic violence charges um, and and, and the accusations of rape while, while at LSU. It just feels like why are you getting rid of your veteran presence at that position unnecessarily?
0: Yeah, and I think there's a big point to that, Sarah, because when you look at the rest of the depth, they have a lot of running backs, and everybody knows they want to see him, as you mentioned. But look at some of those running backs. Bryce Love was a fourth-round pick in 2019, had knee surgery late in his last year at Stanford. He has been practicing, but it's it was laughable for him that he was incapable at Stanford of catching the ball out of the backfield. I mean, they never did it. So he's a very one-dimensional back. On the other hand, they drafted Antonio Gibson this year in the third round out of Memphis. But he was a wide receiver at Memphis that they're transitioning to running back. So while they have a lot of young players they want to give looks, I can't figure out how cutting Adrian Peterson today actually makes you a better team right now, especially in a COVID-19 world where, God forbid, but testing can become an issue and you're going to need depth at every position. So just because somebody's old, if he can still – oh, I say old, but you know, relative to the, right. to the game – and just because somebody is at an older state in his career doesn't mean that he's still not the best option on this team. I, I think what the Washington football team did today was they decided they're going to go younger. But in the process, I can't find a way that they made their team better.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it could absolutely work out, right? They could find themselves being a little bit more versatile and a little bit more creative with the new guys. They could find themselves uh, establishing youth and, and success with, with the unproven talent. Or it could be terrible. And it just feels like, I know Ron Rivera said he wanted to release him ahead of final cuts to give him a chance to pick up somebody somewhere else, but he wouldn't prioritize that over the success of his own team. And so, to me, I think there's going to be a lot of growing pains uh, for Washington uh, without having that, that veteran presence there.
0: Well, and you mentioned those growing pains. And there has to be, I think, a, a reasonable conversation to be had about what the culture is like in Washington, not just for all the things that we've talked about, But even if you're a player or a coach or somebody that works within the organization that's new and you're trying to come in and you're trying to reset everything, but constantly you're having to answer questions about the past and what's happened in the culture that has been there under Dan Snyder, I can't imagine how players and coaches in this already strange year are going to be able to compartmentalize playing the game versus all of the other issues that that now come with simply wearing Washington's jersey.
1: Yeah, listen, you know, one of the things we talked to our good friend Mina Kimes about this season in particular was how important consistency year to year would be. And a brand new coach, a bunch of new front office people, um, you know, new quarterback, uh, you know, in terms of starting Uh, There's a whole lot of moving parts on this team. And with the dysfunction going on that's going to take up a lot of time as Ron Rivera is battling cancer and then spending his time talking about culture and what's going on, the push that seems to be imminent for Snyder to sell the team and the dark cloud hanging over ownership throughout, all of that added together and uh, so many question marks. I can't imagine that even if they try their best to keep those off the field – Keep in mind, also, they don't have a name, right? So they're just going to be the Washington football team. Um, what are the fights going to be with fans who are insisting on, you know, pushing through with, with you know, the former team name or, or you know, the... Uh, outfits and costumes they want to wear to show up to support the team at various events. Like, there's still going to be some battles for that. I don't think they're going to take it lying down, those fans who insist on maintaining that racist history. There's just so much going on. It, it's honestly, the Washington football team is like the 2020 of NFL teams. This, the people writing the script for it just went overboard. Too many plot lines, uh, way too many narratives. That would be completely unbelievable. Uh, it's it's the fire fest of teams. <laughs>
0: The Firefest. I love that, especially for the fryer. Uh That's a perfect analogy. Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, and you know one of the things that I think is really difficult, and and there's a part of me that actually feels bad at this point, uh, particularly for Ron Rivera. Obviously, as uh, well documented, he's he's battling cancer. But he also takes this job as his his second chance, you know, his his opportunity to come in and bring his personality to another organization. And part of what you hope a coach is going to do when they come into that situation is, A, be better than they were at the, their first shot at the job, but, B, they're going to be able to bring their personality into the building. I don't know how any coach can change the culture, which is something that takes time and it takes consistency and it takes energy. I don't know how you can do that realistically when the cloud that's over the organization is so massive and is not going anywhere. It feels like for any step forward that they would want to take in creating new conversation, they take five steps back when uh, everybody's going to be constantly looking at this. And, and there's no reason for me to think, by the way, the post is done. I mean, there's there's if there's anything we've learned, it's the post is going to keep digging until they find everything that they can because they're doing something that that is incredible journalistically. So they gave us one report, then they gave us a second report. I mean, if I'm the watch Washington football team, not only am I worried about this season, but I'm also looking back at everything I've ever done to try and figure out how to be transparent about it now to get ahead of whatever's coming next, because there's always something coming next.
1: Well, and to your point about Ron Rivera, the expectations for him to change everything, both on the field and off it are immense. They're trotting him out there like some sort of, you know, salve who's going to fix everything. And uh, that is a whole lot of weight on a guy who, as I mentioned when this first went down, doesn't have a great track record. He was the coach with the Panthers when everything went down with Jerry Richardson and a culture of harassment there, and he made the team do a three-two-one Jerry chant. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, he seemed to want to just put up blinders and play ignorance on it. That's not going to be possible here, but it's also going to ask a whole lot of him in a number of different areas to sort of clean things up for a culture he wasn't even a part of.
0: Yeah, and it's weird to me that we forget that portion of his past and also that we suddenly have decided he's Mother Teresa and can fix everything. Don't forget, tune in for baseball action. Tomorrow night, the Dodgers host the Rockies. Coverage begins at 8.30 p.m. on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Coming up next year, though, football season right around the corner. We'll talk to one of our favorite experts about what to expect for the good and the bad. Coming up, Spain and Fitz, ESPN Radio.
1: Uh, First of all, this is the final time you will be allowed to – Say anything to me on a friday before you say happy friday.
0: Oh my god, you ready for this? Happy friday. I gave a little, like, just a little spank there, like a little aggressiveness, like a friday. Sorry, did this. you say it spank? Yeah, I gave it a little spank there. Oh no, wow, I'm we not. We got I'm Rick not proud rolled on him. our own You're,
1: show, that's not allowed,
0: you know. <laughs> Spain and Fitz on ESPN. What do we do Radio to deserve that on a Friday? <laughs> we're, we're on Sirius XM channel too, channel 80 also. She's Sarah Spain. I'm Jason Fitz. I will try not to uh, give any more Friday spankings out. That's the best promise that I can make you for the rest of the show, Sarah. And suddenly Our next guest something... might want one. <laughs> well that that's a level of like he's going to at least have to buy me a drink first. Let's head over to the <laughs> Shell Penzo performance line where we're joined by Bill Barnwell, host of the Bill Barnwell podcast. Bill, happy Friday, my friend. How are you doing? We appreciate you joining us.
2: I'm worried about matching the energy in that clip, I got to say.
0: Well, You know, Fridays get weird here. That's the only thing that I've figured out so far in the relaunch of Spain and Fitz. I don't know what happened, but Fridays become particularly weird. Another weird thing is going to be the the concept of watching football about a week away, and none of us have any idea – what to expect or, or what to, to look for. So, you put out a great article on what you're looking for and some predictions coming into the season. How did you decide on the players and the storylines without having any preseason football to actually latch on to and watch?
2: Uh, you know, I've just been imagining the preseason in my head, really. You know, I just.
0: Uh, <laughs> Running uh, simulations you know,
2: in my head. I, right, <laughs> exactly. You know, I, I feel like it's been such a strange off season that I've had so much time to kind of think about like, you know, what am I excited to see? Cause there's been nothing to really go off of, you know, flash flashwater sports, obviously, but no NFL. So I feel like, you know, it, there's just so many different interesting situations going on. And I think in the preseason, kind of some of those things can evolve. I'm like, okay, you know, I kind of got to see Joe Burrow. Like, I'm not maybe as excited as I would be because I kind of got to see him play in the preseason, but didn't get to see Joe Burrow, didn't get to see any of the rookies play in the preseason. So now I'm even more excited to see those guys heading into week one.
1: Bill, you put together this uh, 40 Most Compelling People and Storyline story that's up on .com right now if people want to read it. Lots of good stuff in here, and you sort of mention it in the intro, but I think number one should have just been, are we going to see a full season? Are people going to play 16 games? Are we going to have the stars that we expect available? Uh, how how concerned are you about just the the logistics of a bubbleless full season getting pulled off?
2: I mean, you've seen baseball, right? <laughs> you know, like <laughs> anything anything is on the board. Anything is possible, and I think you have to just accept that heading into the season. I, I think that obviously the early numbers have been very uh, very hopeful. You know, in terms of, of the COVID cases, we've seen players. You know, respect the rules. We've seen uh, obviously daily testing, which I don't know if that's going to still continue on, but um, I think that's been a a very solid plan so far. And I think the concern is now you're going to have teams traveling, you're going to have teams heading into hotspots, you're going to have teams who aren't going to be, you know, in their training camp, which is really kind of a a quasi bubble. So um, I'm hoping that we get a full 16 game season and that we have a minimum of players who are impacted by the coronavirus. But at the end of the day, I mean, baseball has told us that that's unlikely at best so hopeful but not optimistic about that necessarily
0: we're talking to bill barnwell host of the bill barnwell podcast on spain and fitz espn radio jason fitz sarah spain so bill if you were running a team how would you handle the quarterback room knowing how important COVID 19 testing is going to be this season
2: i mean you know i i i've seen the theories about like taking a quarterback and putting him in a vault like you know with the, with the vice president during a uh you know a presidential <laughs> speech I, I, i'm 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 not sure. I think you go to that link, but I think you have to have a plan B. You have to have an idea for okay, if we do lose our quarterback on short notice, what are we going to do? You know, it, it, take a team like the Saints for example. You know, if you lose Drew Brees for a couple weeks where he just is not available, maybe you bring in Taysom Hill and, and run you know a, a very sort of limited offense, maybe a you know a single wing or a wildcat offense. So I think you have to prepare for that heading into the season, knowing, okay, on short numbers, we might have to make a change that we're not expecting to. And so I think it's about, you know, it's not about isolating a guy. Because I think if you're going to have a you know quarterback get it, you're going to have to deal with it either way. But I think it's about preparing for that maybe inevitability uh, heading into the season and then in practice on a week-to-week basis.
1: Spain and Fitz, we're talking to Bill Barnwell. Bill, you know, a lot of people sort of making predictions based off of how much continuity there is from last season. There are expectations Mm -hmm. for different guys to take a step back or forward. Is there any sort of uh, consensus that you're hearing that you very much agree with, whether it's on a specific player's ability or a team's likelihood of success?
2: I mean, you know, there are a couple things. I would say first and foremost, I think everyone's kind of high on the Chiefs because you obviously have you know, the best player in football and Patrick Mahomes, you have coaching continuity, you have pretty much everyone coming back outside of Dr. Laurent Duvarde-Tardif, who's name, of course, I love to say on the radio. Um, <laughs> you know, but pretty much pretty much everybody else is coming back for the Chiefs. So having that continuity, having Patrick Mahomes who have a high floor and obviously a super high ceiling, um, what I will say is strange, and I don't know how you guys feel about it, but there is a like a football Twitter kind of like nerd coalescence happening with the Lions. People are super high on the Lions. I am one of those people. I'm optimistic about the Lions' chances of competing for the NFC North. So not the team that comes to mind for a lot of people, but among people who uh, pay too much attention to football on a day-to-day basis, the Lions are kind of a trendy team right now.
0: Okay, so Bill, the Lions have a ton of talent, but what have you seen in Matt Patricia that makes you think he can coach well enough to take advantage of that talent?
2: Well, that's the big concern. You may have a coach who's not up to his part of the job, but uh, I, I think it's about, you know, you think about the the decisions they've made. Obviously, they've made a bunch of changes, and that takes some time to implement. I, I do think that Matt Patricia, you know, the way he's dealt with players, I think you could maybe hope for some improvements and guys do get better as their coaching time goes on. But a guy who X's and O's wise, you know, has been very solid. We've seen teams kind of take his ideas and take them with their better personnel and maybe a little better coaching, uh, you know, in terms of actually dealing with the players and improve their defense. And I think at the end of the day, this defense doesn't have to be great. It has to be okay. Because I think the offense has the potential to be really good. Matthew Stafford was playing excellent football before he got hurt last year, uh, a team that was 3-4 and one with Stafford, almost beat the Chiefs uh, last year, actually. So, you know, I, I think the defense is not going to be great. I think that Patricia is someone who I think has to change the way he's dealt with players after two years. But I think uh, if you can get both those things to happen, this could be a pretty good football team.
1: Bill Barnwell, host of the Bill Barnwell podcast with us here on Spain and Fitz on a Friday on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel eighty. Bill, uh, you know, in baseball, I said I figured that pitchers would be ahead of hitters because it's easier to practice pitching on your own. All you need is someone to catch versus trying to, you know, hit live live balls if you're a hitter. Yep. And I think that did play out early in the season. Do you see offense or defense struggling more from having this weird off season, or is it more about duration of time, you know, in the league and within a system?
2: That's a really good question. I think it is going to be a little bit of everything, and I think it will be a little bit of having duration and experience in the league. I think part of it is going to be. I think you're going to have, you know, more soft tissue injuries. So I think we're going to see more wide receivers, more defensive backs go down with a hamstring injury or a calf injury early in the season because they didn't get those normal reps of practicing, uh, of getting that, you know, one preseason game in or two preseason games in. Uh, I think you're going to see guys who you know ramp up a little too quick and have more injuries like that. I think those injuries are more likely to happen when you're, you know, hitting max speed as opposed to being an offensive lineman or a defensive lineman. So I think, you know, teams that maybe are a little smaller could struggle. But then I do think in terms of the offensive-defensive side of things, it's a really good question. I think it will be more about your level of experience within the scheme you're playing. I think it's, you know, for a team like the Browns, for example, where it's new coaching staff on both sides of the ball, new personnel, uh, you know, making some changes, that's going to be really tough because you just didn't get those reps to practice together. And I feel like it's going to be more about, you know, your experience with the guys around you, your communication, and your ability to kind of, you know, uh, have a that sort of, that you know, back of your hand knowledge of your scheme as opposed to kind of figuring it out on the fly maybe some of these, these new coaches will be.
0: As always, he's smarter than all of us. The Bill Barnwell Podcast, be sure to check it out. Check out the article out on ESPN.com right now. Bill, I'll wait until I've had too many drinks later tonight to text you 300 Raiders questions. In the meantime, we appreciate you <laughs> hanging out with us, my friend. Thanks, as always, for the great insight.
2: Not pleasure, guys. Anytime.
0: Bill Barnwell joining us there. Pennzoil synthetic motor oils made from natural gas gives you unbeatable engine protection. The proof is in the Pennzoil based on sequence 4A wear test using SAE 5W30. It's Friday, and that means we're going to help you find your Frye. That's right, your Friday. yay Sarah's really converted this to me. Like, this has become a thing now. Even when I'm not on radio, I'm walking around saying Friday, right. all because That's of Sarah. Right. We'll help bring you a little of that Fry joy. Plus, a little bit of Major League Baseball talk you need to know about. We'll get you caught up on it next. Pain and Fits on ESPN Radio.
1: Welcome back to Spain and Fitz on a fry. Yay. We got some so fun well frye stuff coming up later and that actually reminds me. We need to know about your frye ideas. Like the, the thing that makes it feel like a frye for you cuz frye fits is really a state of mind. It's not a day, it's not a specific time or place. It's a state of mind and we want you to find your frye. So let's say we weren't in the middle of a pandemic where you weren't allowed to travel and you were stuck in your house and you couldn't see your friends and family. Where would you want to be? Because I was supposed to be in Africa right now with my family. Uh, Botswana. Yeah, Botswana and South Africa was supposed to be uh, on the docket. And uh, unfortunately, I'm not. I'm here. Uh, with you, which is great. It's really, it's it's just as exciting as being on safari.
0: Did you just invite me to go to Africa with your family? That not. is so I nice, Sarah. I did
1: not invite oh. you. Oh. Uh, we've got enough hyenas out in the African
0: desert I don't need to <laughs> have That is a fair point. I can't even another.
1: argue <laughs> um, But I'm curious what your fri would be. So I want the listeners to chime in and tell us where would you be what would be the drink of choice? What would be the music you were listening to if you created sort of this oasis, this state of mind? Um, what would it look like? So we'll uh, we'll put that out there on um, on Twitter. We'll see what some people have suggested. Maybe later in the show we'll get into a little uh, find your frye action. Um, speaking of action, by the way, I'm going to get into the baseball action again. And the last time this happened, Fitz, uh, I got a little bit of trash talk. Uh, Because people didn't trust that it was uh, socially distanced. They didn't think we had masks. They thought I paid uh, tons of money. Someone suggested my billionaire husband bought a whole rooftop. Uh, None of those things were true. And also, my husband's not a billionaire, unfortunately. I was going to say, if
0: if he wanted to buy me a rooftop just because we work together, (laughs) since, I mean, he's just rolling in billions. Let's just go for that. (laughs)
1: <laughs> um listen, if if he was a billionaire and people think we wouldn't have a private jet flying us anywhere but here, uh you're you're uh, sorely mistaken. So uh it's time for the progressive MLB snapshot. That's what we're getting into. Cubs card series starts tonight. Uh and there will be a double header tomorrow that I will be attending. So I'm considering that if I can't think of anything else, as my something new for the month. So here's the thing, Fitz. Um a colleague of ours, Jenna Janavi mentioned to me that she had a birthday a couple years ago, and she decided for every month up to that birthday, she was going to learn or try something new just to give herself something to aim for. So I learned how to saber a champagne bottle... Uh, in August, my birthday month. And now I need something for every month of the year, something to learn or something to try that I've never done before. Just give you something to shoot for. So I'm gonna put it out there at Spain and Fitz, at Jason Fitz, at Sarah Spain. Uh, Suggestions, keep them clean, please. There are plenty of things I don't need to try that are new that I I can only imagine you guys are gonna say. Uh, Keep it clean and give me some suggestions. I wanna learn some new things. So maybe it'll end up being going to a baseball doubleheader, but I would like something maybe a little more interesting than that.
0: Sarah, did you just flippantly go over the fact that you learned how to saber a, a, a champagne I bottle? And I mean, it was that amazing. is like when you start talking about party tricks that just make you cooler than everybody, that's that's near the top of the list. Like there's There are very few times that you can just bring a sword to a party and not be mocked. That's it. That, that's the well, one time. Well, it's,
1: it's also very dangerous, which I said within seconds of doing it successfully, I said, oh, this is going to be bad news because I'm going <laughs> to be at any number of weddings and other events where I'm trying to find a proper
0: sword and <laughs> it's not going to end well. See? And if you watched Below Deck, you would know that there was an episode before where everybody was trying to saber it, but nobody was really oh, good no. at it. So there were um, like little shards of glass all over the deck and then people started cutting their feet because you can't wear shoes on the on the boat. So Yeah, the see? amazing
1: Psalm Scott told me all sorts of horror stories where people tried to like do it with a ski pole and ended up with a ski pole in their hand or they forget that they've just <laughs> sabered and someone says drink it and then they put it to their mouth and don't realize that they have a completely cut up face because they just sabered the bottle so it's glass. Um wow. He had all sorts of horror stories. If you want to see the absolute Absolute worst. Google on, or go to YouTube and Google uh, French Laundry Sabre Fail. This is a gigantic, like quadruple or more magnum of extremely expensive champagne at the nicest restaurant in the country. This guy's trying to do it. There's an entire kitchen of people watching. He's on camera. He doesn't get it going the first time and then he just starts hacking at it. And the entire giant like quadruple magnum explodes. There were multiple people injured. Like It was like the worst possible sabering fail ever. But it's a good watch. And it's in slow
0: motion. I'm going to spend the rest of my night doing that. Thank you. That's my now (laughs) Friday experiment. So go ahead.
1: All right. Well, I've put it on uh, social media. So everyone, please, you know, find me some good suggestions. You're going to learn how to swim by the end of this year.
0: Yeah, um, but not so by the I end need... of the month. I mean, that that no, I can't no, do no. that by end end of the of month. end of the year.
1: End of the year, we're giving you till the end of 2020 to learn how to swim. Um, and I need to figure out some cool things to learn and try. Um, do you Cubs, know how, how to juggle? I can juggle a little bit. Yeah, only three things though. Gosh, but so I could. That would be a good one to learn in like quarantine. I wouldn't no, have to I go think...
0: anywhere. I
4: thought
1: I was going uh, to not. I'll consider that. Doesn't help. I'll consider mm-hmm. that. Go, go, I'll, I'll consider juggling. I'll put it on the list. I mean, you want to make
0: it more adventurous than juggle chainsaws?
1: No, I think I'm good. Although, uh, spring training (laughs) this year, we were out in Arizona, as we always are, for the Heckler trip, and one of Brad's friends was able to juggle, uh, like, a, a, a softball size, a beer, and then, like, I can't remember what the other things were, but it was four things, all different weights and sizes, and then he could open the beer and drink it while he was still juggling. It was... It was uh, goals, I should say. I will be juggling plenty of beers at the Cubs-Cardinals doubleheader. Uh, just more double-fisting than throwing them in the air. Um uh, Which should be good. Um, speaking of uh, uh, baseball, I saw a stat today, and I-, I can't imagine you have kept up with just how terrible the Red Sox are. I'm sure you're aware of their terribleness, but Mookie Betts has as many home runs as the Red Sox have wins this year.
0: My God. I mean... That's that's such a slap in the face to Red Sox fans to have to just accept that and move on from that. And right. then for, for for Mookie Betts to have already locked in and, and be ready to, for a long run with the Dodgers, I mean, the amount of trash talking that's going to go on in this and it, for a long time has just got to be difficult to stomach when you hear that particular stat to tell you how bad it suddenly is for the Red Sox.
1: Yeah, I mean, this is a team that uh, – in very short order, has disappeared off the face of of the contenders' uh, earth. And you had a feeling the way that they were making moves of late, that they weren't going to be in it, but not quite this bad. And, of course, I think the expectation for Mookie Betts was that he would be exactly who he's been thus far for his new squad. But, yeah, as many home runs as wins, even in a pandemic-affected season uh, pretty painful. Speaking of painful, the Yankees are now 20 and 16. Uh, they were off to a good start, injuries and otherwise. Uh, now 4 and 10 in their last 14 games, and they have a bullpen with a 587 ERA over those 14 games. Uh, they're hoping to get things back on track uh, today and this weekend, but uh, a- another surprising sort of twist from a team that early on people said, oh, they're never going to lose, they're so stacked. Um, and injuries have just been sort of uncannily bad for them.
0: It feels like the last couple of years we've talked about injuries for the Yankees just seemingly being a part of what they have to deal with constantly, and you're right. I mean, early on it felt like the Yankees were going to do something historic in in this shortened season, and instead, frankly, it's the Rays that, I mean – uh, don't sleep on it, 26-12 for Tampa. I mean, who, who would have expected coming in that the Yankees would find themselves in a hole to Tampa like this, and the injuries are going to be a big deal. Like, they've got to get healthy if they're going to be able to have any shot at contending. And, frankly, it's been so long since they've been healthy consistently. I think health is a bigger issue in this truncated season than we're talking about for Major League Baseball particularly. every
1: game counts for 2.7s worth. So if you're unavailable for your team, it matters all the more. Marley Rivera posted something earlier today. The Yankees' bullpen has allowed 14 home runs over their last 13 games. They had allowed eight in their first 23 games. (laughs) Oh, we've got... (laughs) We've got uh, we've got some haters out in the back that are uh, definitely not Yankees fans. Uh, our, our our resident Mets fan is uh, having a little fun with the sound there. Uh, I'm still rooting for a Chicago World Series. We got the White Sox at 23 and 15. We got the Cubs at 22 and 15. Marching towards each other in a year where we could not even have fans. Wouldn't that just be the way it would happen?
0: I mean, that is remarkable when you put it down like that. Like That's, that's all, all the more reason that the Browns and the Lions are going to play in the Super Bowl, just because neither of their fan bases can actually go watch it. I mean, that's all, all day, every day.
1: <laughs> Brought to you by Progressive Sh- Insurance. This is your MLB talk at Progressive. They're making things even easier. They'll help you bundle your home and car insurance together so you can save on both. Learn more at Progressive.com or one 800 progressive uh yeah so at spain and Fitz, at sarah spain at jason Fitz, uh make sure you let us know what your friday looks like find your friday and also give me some suggestions for things to learn and try every month coming up we got breaking news one nfl team has named their starting quarterback not sure i'm gonna like this it's next dspn radio no sooner had i entered the potential name for my fantasy team as big nick energy with a picture of Nick Foles holding his hands in a suggestive position. Then I find out that it sounds like the Bears are going to name Mitchell Trubisky as their starter. We got to talk about this, Fitz. It's Spain and Fitz. Sarah Spain, Jace Fitz, ESPN Radio, ESPN App, Sirius XM, Channel 80. I don't even know if it's a fry anymore. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. Guests join us on the Shell Penzo Performance Line. And we got to make this Straight Talk brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless because the has told ESPN's Adam Schefter today that the Bears are expected to name Maserati Mitch as their starter. Now, on the one hand, if Mitchell Trubisky has taken tremendous strides forward and he is the guy that Ryan Pace always saw deep down within him and that we saw some hints of in that very first year when the Bears defense buoyed them, but they also had this incredibly interesting and cool offense and Mitch's legs took us places we never thought we could go, then great. I guess we just traded for Nick Foles and spent a bunch of money and stuff for no reason. But if Nick Foles is just trash and looks terrible and Mitchell Trubisky is just the better of two duds, then what a sad and disastrous development that is for my NFL season that hasn't even yet begun.
0: I'll give you another sad and tragic development that could be, you know, the other, the other portion of this could be that you've got two people running the organization that don't see eye to eye. I mean, You've got Pace that obviously drafted Trubisky, but you've got Matt Nagy who has history with Nick Foles. So it felt like when Foles came in, it was because their history and Foles knows the offense and it makes it seamless. And in fact, even in the truncated, the the shortened version of of the offseason that we've gotten here, I still felt like Foles had an opportunity because he's going into an offense he knows. So it feels like there's the opportunity to have that, that weirdness that bad franchises go through at times where... Coach and GM aren't on the same page, and I don't know what fixes that. So there are three different possibilities for why this is happening, and only one of them is good in my mind for you, and that would be that Trubisky suddenly looks lights out and the light has been uh, the light switch is turned on.
1: While well, Adam Schefter tweeted out about 30 minutes ago, in a competitive battle, Bears are expected to name Mitchell Trubisky the starting QB. It's due to his progression, leadership, and overall performance throughout camp. Nick Foles made decision difficult for Matt Nagy, but the team feels strong about its QBs. I will say that when they made the move for Foles and somebody asked me on social media, do you have a horse in, in this race? Do you want somebody to emerge? And I, as you well know, because I believe it was you who lost the charcuterie plate and the steaks and the wine and the dessert and everything else during that Eagles Super Bowl run because I was a big fan of big Nick energy. I said throughout that I thought he was leading the Eagles in a way that was super positive and and I've I've been enthusiastic about him. And, And even so, when he arrived, I said, it would be great if Mitch is who they thought he was and he takes a massive step forward and adding Nick just lights a little fire under his butt. But over the course of the last couple months, I've kind of convinced myself that I don't want to make that trade for a guy that then sits. And we've seen such highs from Foles when he's at his best that I hoped maybe a reunion with Matt Nagy and being in the right system with a solid defense and yada, yada, we would have more hope than what I might have for a ceiling on Mitchell Trubisky. And now I'm not sure how to feel Fitz. It's actually, I had kind of resigned myself to it being a sure thing that Foles was going to get the nod.
0: I, I What you're feeling, though, I think is, is right. It, it's you got to feel lost right now if you're a Bears fan and you're trying to figure it out because the other side of this is the best-case scenario. I mean, the best-case scenario is that Trubisky comes in and he's lights out. Well, if he's lights out, they're going to have to figure out what to do with the contract where he's had one year where he's lights out and then what to do with the contract on Nick Foles that they're basically pinched in, not just this year but also next year. That's not a small amount of money at, what, six and two-thirds million Per year that they've got uh, obligated to Nick Foles already. So you start looking at at all of this, and what I can't figure out is how Mitch Trubisky starting right now makes a ton of sense, even if he's won the job. If he's won the job flat out because he was great, then there are going to be questions that are right to ask about why they acquired Nick Foles in the first place. If he didn't play that well and just to sort of want it by default, then you've had an organization that's made a mistake twice at quarterback. And if he goes out and crushes, then you've got an organization that's got to figure out what to do about his contract. Like, it's hard to find any peace in the decision for the Bears.
1: Yeah, there there really isn't. Uh, the hope would be that you bring in Foles and it makes them both better. Either Trebith runs away with it and makes it an easy choice, or says, "Hey, look, I got an opening spot for the next three years as a starter, and I'm going to move past Trubisky and take over firmly and with confidence and control." Neither really seemed to happen, and and that's uh, this is very depressing, Fitz. <laughs> I'm very depressed. Uh well, okay, we're gonna we're gonna recover. We're gonna gather ourselves. We're gonna talk hey, amongst ourselves look, look about this, brights, and we're gonna come look, back and
0: find Sarah. Some I'm gonna give SM. you. Uh, I'm gonna be a beacon of light. I'm gonna give you some straight talk. Uh, straight talk, wireless, no contracts, no compromise, Sarah the 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 real of it is if Mitchell Jabisky comes in and lights it up, then it'll be Nick who. And that can still happen. I mean, we've seen a little of it in the past. Maybe this is the year it all clicks together and suddenly it's Nick who and you are gloriously happy as a Bears fan. See that?
1: I sure rock. hope so. And I hope he's healthy and he can use his legs. That was really missing last year. People didn't talk about it nearly enough. And I hope that Nagy figured out he can't throw a playbook at him the size of the Cheesecake Factory menu if he wants him to succeed. And with those things coming together and perhaps the development of some of his weapons, which now I really feel worried about having drafted in fantasy last night, things will work out. We'll see. It's Spain and Fitz. Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, ESPN Radio, ESPN App, Sirius XM, Channel 80. In the meantime, uh, there's a lot going on in the NBA bubble. We'll get to some of those games. But one coach today made a point that neither you nor I knew about, and that is Mike Malone, the head coach of the Nuggets, uh, sharing that coaches aren't allowed to bring anyone to the bubble, and he's pretty upset about it.
3: First, I'm going to say something that's got nothing to do with your question. Uh, Today's day 60. All right, so we have been here. The, The guys that came down here, on July 7th, and there weren't many of us because we were ravaged with COVID. This, for the original crew, this is day number 60. And the the reason I bring that up is because the players have their families here, which which they deserve, which is the right thing to do. The referees are allowed to bring one guest, which is great for the referees. The coaches, the coaches are not allowed to bring anybody. I, I say, shame on you, NBA. This is crazy. I miss my family, and I think I speak for... Me, I speak for my coaches and probably all the coaches down here. 60 days and not having access and not being granted the privilege to have my family come here to me is criminal in nature. And that shouldn't be. Shouldn't be at all. So I wanted to get that off my chest.
1: That makes absolutely no sense. I I mean, it really doesn't. Why in the world would an official get to have a guest and not a coach? Why would the rules be different for coaches and, and players even?
0: It shows some level of lack of respect for coaches in the NBA, and that's something we've laughed about in the past when you think about it, you can be a coach of the year one year and fired the next. But the fact that they're not getting the basic treatment that refs are getting, I mean, I can only imagine what it would be like having to explain to your wife that she can't come to the bubble, but the, the refs can bring their wives or children or however that works for everybody's individual family. You know, you start to think about what that means on a human level. That adds a different level of stress when you know – that your home life is worse because you can't bring somebody in, especially knowing other people can. That's the sort of thing that can absolutely rip people apart, and I hate that anybody's going through that. Well,
1: and especially as you're watching these super emotional reunions, we saw the great video of, for instance, Fred Van Vliet and his kids. Um, worth noting, Eric Spolster, who has criticized this policy uh, previously, said the league's head coaches, led by uh, Dallas's Rick Carlisle, who obviously is no longer in there, but all of them are lobbying for a change, and that the NBA hadn't totally shut the door on that. So as the playoffs move on, maybe there's a chance for them to change that policy. It feels like the right thing to do. It's Spain and Fitz, Air Spain, Jason Fitz. Don't forget to listen to ESPN Audio at Home via your smart speaker. ESPN Audio at Home brought to you by Mercedes-Benz Vans. Drive a Mercedes-Benz van. Find out how far an extra mile really goes. From customization and service to financial assistance, Mercedes-Benz Vans are ready for anything. Joining us next, an old friend. Talk to a little bit of tennis. There is a lot going on. We are days away from the start of NFL. We've got uh, three game sevens in the NHL playoffs. We've got NBA. We've got whatever the heck's going to happen in college football. And meanwhile, the U.S. Open is underway as well. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, ESPN Radio, ESPN App, Sirius XM Channel 80. Joining us now on the Shell Penzo performance line to talk some of the biggest stories coming out of tennis. Friend of the show, former member of Spain and Prim, it's Prim Saripa Pat, Prim, what's going
4: oh, on? Oh yeah, hi guys. Is it eighties night? What's it is.
1: All here? the music tonight on this Friday. Uh, bumping some eighties. Wait, wait. Was yeah.
0: was Prim part of the Friday culture? Like, does Prim have any? No, Fri-yay no, no. Friday is more
1: recent. Yeah.
0: Oh, yeah. Prim, I'm yeah. getting my butt kicked trying to say Friday with the right panache for Sarah. So yeah, you, you gotta like you gotta Say it with
4: some. Yeah, you gotta say it with some oomph. Yeah, um, she knows. Just, just to let you guys know, like this is how much I love you guys because. It is Friday, and it is 8.15 Eastern, so um, I interrupted my Friday evening in happy hour. That's how much I love you guys, <laughs> much especially, especially the Sassinator. That's how much I love you guys. <laughs> uh,
1: the Prim Reaper, what was the drink of choice tonight for the happy hour?
4: I had a margarita. I had a nice. couple margaritas. We went nice. to a Mexican place. so That's the way to go. Know. No no, honey juices because typically we'd be at the U.S. Open having a couple honey deuces, which is their signature drink. But That sounds magical. Um, at, yeah, <laughs> well, yeah, I think you had one. It's I saw quite a possible. That you we were there together
1: of a couple years I ago. Know. <laughs> I love
4: that picture. Um, um, I'm pretty sure you had one.
1: Well, Prim, we were there a couple years ago. Now, of course, a very different scene. I'd like to start. I, I of course, want to get to Serena and Sloan, but I want to tar- start on the star-deprived <laughs> men's side. Because of COVID, so many people not participating has it been uh, as exciting to watch when Novak Djokovic is pretty much the only big name there, and Andy Murray's already uh, gotten bounced?
4: Yeah, I think on superficially, it seems like it is a star stars kind of draw. Um, but there are, it is still a pretty deep field. Of course, you don't have Rafa and Roger Federer. Roger Federer's out for the rest of the season. Rafa wanted to stay in Europe um, to focus on the French Open, understandably. But aside from Novak Djokovic, I mean, you've got a lot of up-and-comers. You've got Dominic Thiem, the 27-year-old Austrian, ranked number three in the world. Behind him, Stefano Tsitsipas, a 22-year-old Greece. Um, he's going to play tonight. Uh, the Canadian some Felix Aliacin I mean, there, there's a huge um, pool of younger talent that's just waiting to burst through the big three. So I think superficially, it's easy to say, like, you know what, there's not a lot of the big names. But I think if you dive deep and look beyond the big three, there's actually, you know, it's a pretty deep field. But I will say that while there's a huge opportunity for a lot of the young guns, this is Novak Djokovic's tournament to lose. So...
0: So, Prim, we've asked all the uh, other sports this, so I'll, I'll get your thoughts on it from a tennis side. With nobody in the the stands, what effect does it have on the actual athletes playing?
4: I, I mean, I think it definitely has a tremendous effect, especially at the U.S. Open, which is a Grand Slam that thrives on a culture, on a New York City, Manhattan culture, that's so vibrant and energetic. I mean, it's loud, it's gritty between the four Grand Slams. This is by far the mo- the most, like, crazy and wild but that's why the players love it so um i think in some ways it kind of neutralizes the environment Uh, typically i I think if you ask a lot of the experts they would say that the crowd favors the top seeds. so in some ways um i think this neutralizes the environment and it gives uh, a little bit more of an edge to the young guns or the less experienced players it's almost like going out and playing a practice match and a practice match anybody can win so I think it's just going to, going to become a little bit more important for a lot of these players to just kind of buckle down and focus, which I think for the most part, a lot of them have been doing.
1: Prim Rippapat with us here on Spain and Fitz. You can hear the next chapter with Prim Srippapat on the athletic podcasts, and you're doing a whole bunch of freelancing for other places, a cover tennis, right?
4: Yeah, I'm doing all sorts of crazy stuff. Thanks for the plug, by the way. I appreciate that. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, yeah. So this year is really different. Um, because the, because a lot of these companies and partnerships that go to the tournament, they aren't able to be there. So they're having all these different virtual experiences on their own and independently. So this year, obviously, I'm working for IBM and Salesforce separately. The USTA, um, they asked me uh, after the fact to do uh, some play-by-play, but I was already booked up. So it's just been a really crazy and unique year. You're seeing a lot of different companies that networks do things differently. Um, You know, Pam Shriver is doing a lot of broadcasting work from home in California for ESPN because she's got, you know, certain circumstances, three kids and, you know, um, so, there. yeah, it's just really
0: unique this year. Prim, one of the matchups, obviously, Sarah alluded to it at the beginning. Everybody's got their eyes on Serena versus Sloan, Serena Williams, Sloan Stevens. What are you looking for in that matchup? Oh my gosh. Yeah,
4: I was thinking about like the preview of this and honestly, I really don't know what to expect um, because I just, I think ultimately it, it boils down to the simple factor of like which Serena is going to arrive. Um, I think that, you know, I talked to Sloan heading into the US Open and she's one of the few people and just one of the few athletes in general that said that while the pandemic was tough and five months away from tennis and not playing and competing was really hard, she actually like, enjoyed the pandemic and she would do it all over again which leads me to believe that she's comfortable she's training she feels good about her game she's excited to be out there so I expect Sloan to put up a really good fight I think for Serena I mean it's all about just nerves it's all a bit it's all been about just her mental game and chasing grand slam number 24 right and, and wanting to tie Margaret Court she's reached the finals of four different slams um, since her return being a mother, and she has yet to win a major. And at that point, I think, in my opinion, it, it's less about the physical, physicality and her strength and conditioning, and it's just more about her dealing with the nerves and trying to push aside that number 24 and, and focusing on the present moment and focusing on just doing what she does, is playing you know, the Serena game.
1: Yeah, there is obviously always that, just kind of hanging over her head, this like final getting over that hump of that of that final and tying Margaret Court. It's primetime, yeah. Pat, joining us here on Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz on ESPN Radio. Let's talk about Naomi Osaka. How has she looked as a player? I know the outfits have slayed, the statement masks, and the things she's said yeah. after her victories have been impressive, especially for someone her age. But actual tennis-wise, how does she look to you?
4: I mean, she looks good tennis-wise, but I mean, I, I can't help it, but like just her overall demeanor is completely influencing me. For me, it's more just like, I really don't care about the tennis. I'm intrigued at her non-tennis game. I mean, because she's made such a crazy transformation from a couple of years ago when she really bursted onto the scene in um, 2018 when she won the Indian Wells. And I don't know if people remember, but she delivered this very innocent girl, um, shy speech Um, And she seems so passive and um, submissive and really unknowing, unconfident in some ways. But in the past two years, I mean, we've seen her win a couple grand slams, rise to the occasion as a champion. Um, Her game is obviously unbelievable. I think she looks amazing. Um, her, Her serve is looking stronger than ever. She's got a great team around her. But the fact that she can continue to play at a high level, continue to be top, players on the women's store and also carry the the torch of being the highest paid female athlete in the world and also being a voice for social justice and racial justice issues in a sport where you may not always get that and is still trying to find more diversity among the field of players. I, it's crazy unbelievable. Like, I'm so impressed yeah. with not only Naomi, but also, like, co- the Coco Goffs of the world. Um, so, I mean, she's she's definitely leading the pack, but just in a different way.
1: Yeah, it's incredibly impressive carrying all that all that weight. Hey, we're running out of time, Prim, so on the way out, I wanted you to take a listen to this uh, piece of sound and see if you have
4: any thoughts. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs>
1: by the way the context on that was that, that used to come up on the show that was not mine. that was prim herself saying i'm a mexico missouri and no one knows what i am
0: I- i'm all in that's for amazing. all of this by the way like, i'm just gonna take the rest of the night off y'all finish this i mean i'm done that's uh, that was epic
1: Next time you come on, we'll play a little bit of your half of that rap battle because uh, I believe you were crowned the, the champion.
4: Uh, thanks for the time, I Prim. I believe I was. <laughs> yeah, I have the trophy in my bedroom just to nice, let you know. I'll send nice. out a, pic- a picture. Yeah. Thanks uh, for having me on, guys.
1: Thanks, Prim. Thanks, See prim. ya. Enjoy your Friday. Uh, coming on, an expert's going to discuss the NBA matchups tonight.
0: Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app and Sirius XM channel. eighty. Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. Don't forget to tune into Bloodlines, a three-part podcast written and told by ESPN's Wright Thompson that examines the world of thoroughbred horse racing. Download, subscribe, and review Bloodlines, available wherever you enjoy your podcasts. Uh, obviously, right now we're in the thick of some NBA action, playoff action specifically going on, and this Bucs uh, Heat series is not getting anything other than more compelling, if you ask me. The game has been tightened back and forth, the Bucks trailing in this series. Two to nothing but they are currently leading in this game 91 to 87 it's a tight game with about eight minutes and 40 seconds left in the fourth quarter so we're going to get some uh, thoughts on that we're going to head over to the shell penzo performance line where we're joined by andre snelling's espn senior writer andre thanks for the time and we appreciate you hanging out with us tonight uh, obviously i just gave the update on the bucks when you look at the bucks situation in this series what's gone wrong
3: um the first game i think they really did miss Eric Bledsoe, their point guard. Um, he's not who you think of when you think of the Bucks, but Giannis isn't a point guard. He's able to handle the ball and distribute it well for a big man, but they need someone that's actually able to run the offense, and, and we really saw that lack down the stretch in the second half of game one. Game two, um, it was a, a, a toss-up, right? You know, it came down to the very last plays of the game, and tonight looks like it's going to be another close one, so I think Miami's just a difficult matchup for them the way that they play, and the bucks it's up to them to find a way to step up and overcome this challenge
1: Andre that first game it felt like oh this is it's, this is an easy one to figure out that you know whenever they score fewer than thirty points in the paint, their record is dismal, but they put up fifty two inside and they out rebounded uh the heat it, it, you know if you just looked at the box score in game two, it wasn't easy to pinpoint exactly what went awry. Um, do they need to force the three a little bit more, even if they're not super efficient there? Do they need to try to change the pace of the game a little bit more because the heat has kept them from getting out in transition, which they like? Is it just about sort of dominating the style a little bit more?
3: Um, Maybe a little bit of all of that. I wouldn't say that they should force three-pointers, but I do think that they're... Their offense works best if Giannis is able to collapse the opposing defense and set up open looks from three. So their team has to be aggressive about taking them when the shots are there. You also mentioned pace, and, and that's really important. The Bucks lead the league in pace. And the Heat, I feel like they've been able to, in the first two games especially, kind of control the pace a little more. This game, I think, is more to the Bucks' liking as far as pace. And really a lot of those elements are all kind of playing Milwaukee's way. So it's interesting that they're still only up by four. Um, they were about 12 a second ago, but right now they're only up by four. So, you know, it's going to come down to the wire again.
0: We're talking ESPN senior writer Andre Snellings and Spain and Fitz, ESPN Radio, Jason Fitz, Sarah Spain. So a lot of conversation that we've all been involved in over the last few days about what Giannis needs moving forward. Uh, we all understand that the contracts are sort of locked in. The Bucks are who they are going to be for a little while, it looks like. But if you're looking at what Giannis needs for the future, what is it to you?
3: Yeah, so um, I kind of jumped into the whole debate that that uh, Richard Jefferson touched off with. Uh, is he a Jordan or a Pippen, um comment mm-hmm. yesterday? And my point was that he's neither, that he's a David Robinson. He's an Akeem Olajuwon. You know, Giannis, to me, is the evolution of what the dominant center was in the 90s. Now, he's he's playing, you know, current-day style, but... He's not the guy that, that you want to be, Jordan, the, the wing that's going to handle the ball and, and, and needs to be able to iso and knock down the jumper late. That's not his role. So he needs his teammates to be able to do that. And that's not a knock on him. That's not a weakness for him because, as I said, you know, Shaq needed perimeter players. You know what I'm saying? David Robinson did, too. So um, I think that Chris Middleton, you know, all eyes are on him. Again, I mentioned Eric Bledsoe earlier. He has to perform well. And tonight it's been Brooke Lopez knocking down the threes, but he's had about three dribble drives where he shot, you know, double-clutch circus layups. I'm, I'm like, what's going on here? It's almost like when Lou <laughs> Dort was knocking down all those threes. I, I'm not <laughs> expecting to see Brooke Lopez taking guys off the dribble.
1: It's Spain and Fitz ESPN Radio on a Friday. We're talking to Andre Snellings, ESPN senior writer. Uh, I saw you tweeting also about that Portland Lakers game. Um, sorry, the uh, Rockets Lakers game one. And you said Rockets are almost impervious to their opponent. If they're on, yep. they'll beat anyone. If they're off, they'll lose to anyone. You, you really don't know what to predict in this one
3: it's difficult. It's difficult. Like, if you look at their first-round series against Oklahoma City, right, that last game was a real challenging game. But the first six games in the series, I feel like the three games the Rockets won, they probably would have beaten pretty much any team in those three games because they had their shots going and and there wasn't much Oklahoma City could do. But conversely, those three games they lost, I feel like the Rockets might have lost to, you know, Brooklyn in, in those three games. So, when they face the Lakers, it's it's such an interesting matchup on, on paper. You have the team that's arguably the strongest in the NBA as far as size in the middle, size in the paint. You know, the Lakers, even LeBron, he's the small forward on this team, and he's 6'9", 260, right? Whereas the Rockets don't have anybody. They're center 6'5". So it, it, it's such a mismatch on paper. But if the Rockets are knocking down threes, and especially if if Russell Westbrook is healthy and is explosive and able to to take advantage of the space created by all those shooters, yeah, I mean, they they could take out the Lakers. Like, it, it is not out of the realm of possibility. And that's a very interesting statement for a four seed that just barely got out of the first round.
0: We're talking to Andre Snellings, ESPN senior writer, Spain and Fitz. So uh, for the Lakers, we know now just in that Rondo will play tonight. So what's a realistic expectation for him after some time off or injury? What's real for what you think he can contribute to this series?
3: I think Rondo, so playoff Rondo has been a real thing in his career, right? He tends to play better in the postseason than in the regular season. The issue, in, in addition to the rust, I mean, tonight I'm not expecting the world from him. He hasn't. Played a, a real NBA game in like six months, so I'm expecting I don't know 15, 20 minutes of of of, of just kind of trying to knock the rust off. But even when he's at his best, he's not a shooter. And these Rockets, again, if they're on, they're going to put pressure on the Lakers to be able to match their scoring. And the Lakers can score really efficient really efficiently inside, but lacking the shooters, that that's that's going to be challenging for them in those circumstances. Now there's going to be a lot of times when the Rockets are off, and that's when the Lakers can make their money. But as far as Rondo goes, I think that, you know, he'll probe the defense and he'll be a benefit because the Rockets, people don't think about it like this, but the Rockets have a really feisty defense and and they have active hands and they switch a lot. And so it can be difficult for opponents to handle the ball against their pressure. And so Rondo will help the Lakers with that. And of course LeBron will be the main ball handler. But, um, you know, I I think Rondo will contribute, but, you know, his his strength is not necessarily the strength that they'll need in this particular series.
1: ESPN senior writer Andre Snellings with us here on Spain and Fitz. Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, hanging out with you on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app series, XM Channel 80. We were talking earlier about the Raptors and that crazy, amazing finish last night. Did it change your mind about that series, or was it just – prolonging the inevitable, which is a, a better Boston team taking the series?
3: I think that it did not necessarily – well, put it like this. Had the, had that shot not gone in, the series was over, right? Yeah, when you, for sure. You're down three. Oh, the series is over. But coming into the series, I thought this would be really close, like a seven-game series. And I think I actually – I think my official pick was the Raptors in seven. So I would say making that shot – you know, as far as my prediction goes, uh, made me sigh uh, a sigh of relief because it means that that could still actually happen. I don't expect this to be one way. You know, the Celtics won the first game easily, but each of the last two games have been very competitive, and that's what I'm expecting for the next four.
0: Andre, we appreciate your time, your expertise. Thanks so much for hanging out with us on this Friday evening.
3: Thanks for having me and for bringing me on to walk like an Egyptian. I, I mean, I, I could not hear that. Eighties <laughs> night on a
0: Friday, man. Eighties <laughs> night on Friday. You never know what's going to happen. Andre Snelling's ESPN senior writer. That's the thing, Sarah. We're going to get known for like having the best music when people come on the show with us, and then they're going to want to come on more often. That's... Well,
1: what you missed, which was spectacular, is during the last dance stretch, Bill Wennington came on with us a number of times, became sort of our go-to guy to analyze what we'd seen that week. And he would always come on top of the hour, and he didn't realize that the show theme song was Lizzo. Blame it on the juice, right? All that. Mm-hmm. And he thought we were playing it for him every time. And so at one point he was like, I'm just wondering, like, is that my theme song? Like, why am I always getting li- this song about blame it on my juice? Which just made me so happy, because I just wanted to picture us deciding that Bill Wennington's theme song was Lizzo.
0: That's remarkable. ESPN radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. Quoting home insurance just got easier with Progressives Home Quote Explorer. Quoting by All Online and Progressive.com. The heat just hit a big shot. We'll tell you what's going on, on, on in that game right now. Plus, it's Friday, and that means we got to a state of mind to get everybody in. We'll do it next. Spain and Fitz on ESPN radio and the ESPN app. That's
1: right. It's Friday and Frye is it's not necessarily a day, it's more a state of mind fits. And we ask people to find their Frye's. Where would they be? What would they be listening to? What would they be drinking if the world wasn't shut down, if Americans were allowed in more than like six countries? Right now, I think we might be up to eight. I'm not quite sure. Um, and I want to ask you if you found your Frye, where would you be? Well, could you paint us a picture?
0: Oh, that's such a good good question. Okay, so one thing that I enjoy is having a drink that I'm not smart enough to make. So my Friday <laughs> would start by going to like a really, really swanky bar where it takes them 15 minutes to make the drink, but you're mm-hmm. watching the mixologist do it. It definitely... It starts there, uh, and, right. and like smoke coming out of it, or something. Oh yeah, 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 and like some wondrous like alcohol that I have no idea what it is, but I'm <laughs> in a place where I'm not allowed to take my phone out to Google it, so I'm just I'm just rolling the dice to see what happens. I miss that so much. So it starts, uh, it starts with that, and then. Uh, From there right now, I I have to admit that since we're still in the summer air, like, I miss concerts so much in the perfect Friday experience. I'm sitting in seats that are probably a little bit too, like, too nice for a concert, (laughs) like, in that little section that usually, like, the amphitheaters and everything, they have the little padded seat area. So I want, like, the area where... Mm -hmm. I still feel like an elitist. Yeah, I'm I'm total bougie. Like, I haven't been out in so long. I'm going totally bougie. (laughs) And then the one thing that I do at the end of my Friday that is so uniquely me, we've talked a little bit about this podcast, but uh, on the podcast, but I love going to the movies so much. Like, I end my Friday with, like, an inappropriate amount of movie snacks and a midnight showing of something that just opened with super fans in the room. Those are all the things that I miss right now.
1: It's a nice Friday. It's a nice little Friday. I, I think you. we might do this thought exercise again in the future to keep us going during some of the tough times. So instead of going with the perfect sort of, uh, you know, like you said with the movie, I'm going to go with where I was supposed to be. So I'm going to go, I would be in South Africa. I would be at a winery, uh, Stellenbosch or uh, uh, maybe uh Franschhoek area. And I would be drinking a wonderful South African wine. Um, and I would be listening to... Uh, probably Africa by Toto, uh, because I'm basic, and when mm-hmm. you're in Africa, you need to put on some sort of music video version of Africa by Toto. It also happens to be my husband and I's song, which is a very weird thing, and it definitely happened before everybody made it come back a second time around. We were way ahead of the resurgence and the, uh, and the cover by Weezer. Uh, but yeah, just be listening to a little Africa by Toto, sipping some wine, looking at the mountains of South Africa, getting ready for a, for a safari in Botswana. I to make believe us feel you better, were right? supposed to be on a safari right now. make us feel better, and it's not working. I'm, I'm very sad. Okay, let's let's uh, go through some other people's find their fri Maybe that will make me feel better. Um, baby effin' whale also... Uh, has a canceled vacay itinerary, so uh, he or she is feeling the pain that I'm feeling. He would be in La Seu de in the Pyrenees tonight after a day of riding motorcycles with friends. He'd be listening to a flamenco number he can't pronounce and drinking whatever local beer he can find or she. (laughs) Uh, That one sounds pretty magical, too. Phil Spain, are we related, Phil? Uh, Phil Spain would be in Vegas listening to Yacht Rock Radio and sipping a cookies and cream milkshake.
0: Okay, Phil. Phil may be onto something. I'm rethinking the entire thing. I just realized how much I miss Vegas. So there's a part of me that is sort of shut Vegas off in my mind because it's the place. Probably that wise I was born. right now. And yeah, I, I love the place so much, but. There's also, like, I mean, in the world of who would have ever thunk it, the first ever Vegas Raiders game is going to be a Monday night football mm. game at home. The first time they play in Vegas, I, we broadcast Monday night football. I could have been there, and now nobody's allowed in the stadium. So I think uh. I've shut Vegas off, but I am rethinking because, man, there's something about spending all day at the pool and then all night at a, you know, it's some sort of a a uh, blackjack table that sounds kind of appealing to me right now. So Vegas might be on my list as my Friday experience.
1: That's not a bad one. Uh, Trevor no. Siegler would be in New Orleans listening to jazz music with a rum and Coke. Uh, <laughs> Tony Duncan would be in Key Biscayne drinking an Arnold Palmer and listening to some Willie Nelson. Uh, I know Willie Nelson, not so much the music, but something else with him is on your bucket list to do. I'm going to um, party
0: with Willie. I am going to party, gonna with, a party Willie. with
1: Willie. Uh, Anthony Albano would be at Yankee Stadium in New York drinking some Johnny... Walker Black, that's a that's a tough one too because it shouldn't be that tough to have to dream about being at a baseball game, but it but it is this year. Uh, QGK in the Rocky Mountains with nature's soundtrack, smoking jays, not bad, dude. I mean, <laughs> All right, so
0: party with QGK is now on my list yeah, also. Add I mean, that just... to the
1: list. You you QGK <laughs> and Willie, uh, Mike Farber would be at Jasper in the Canadian Rockies finishing a bike ride. Sun's going down, listening to Jason Isbell in the 400 Unit with an IPA from the local uh, local Jasper brewery in a large glass. Wow, that sounds good. Jeff, Costa Rica, Mambo number 5, okay. And a margarita. I, you can't go margarita in Costa Rica because what you have to do is go with their drink which I believe is called the Tico Sour if I remember correctly, uh, from my time in Costa Rica. And the, t- the Tico Sour, or the Guaro Sour, is magical. It's I'm got Guaro, though. which is their liquor, and some mint, some sugar, some fresh lime, some cracked ice. Mm-hmm. Delicious.
0: That does sound delightful. But if you're in Costa Rica and your first song that came to mind is Mambo Number 5, it's you're a problem. Probably, yeah, you're, you're probably already out on that. I, they I'm also just have saying. great lava I...
1: flows there. And lava flows are the greatest drink that's ever been invented.
0: There we go. I do like Austin Nelson says the ideal Fri-yay at Kane Brown on the radio. Knob Creek one hundred proof in the glass, and a fishing pole in the hand with my lady and pup by my side. Nice. I mean, I like that. But is Kane but Brown me...
1: a country dude?
0: Yeah, Kane Brown's a country dude. But okay. I, I'm a little curious though because that's like he's actually Austin has found a a yay activity he can actually that he do. can actually do right now. Like Wait, that, that's is good Kane thinking. Brown
1: is Kane Brown the like trying to have a good time guy or like a chill time or cool time?
0: Uh... I, I think no, my friend just sent me a
1: song from him. He's got a bunch yeah. of tats. Uh,
0: yeah, he's had a, a huge rise, uh, for sure. That That's is not, not Kane, Kane Brown.
1: Brown, but that is a good <laughs> jam. That is that is most definitely not Kane Brown.
0: Yeah, Heaven um, was a big hit for him, and then uh, What If? Like he had a bunch of country hits. I mean, he's done. Yeah, he's done staggeringly well. Um, yeah, all right. Kane. Has. Also
1: check it out. You know me. I'm not a big. Uh, I'm not big. Oh no. You know what I'm thinking of is Nico Moon. Who's yeah, another that, tatted up kind of country guy, and the song's called "Good Time." Just got sent that the other day. It was good stuff. It's good. Yeah, it was opening up my mind to the country vibes.
0: Look at that. We'll get you uh, Isbell's. You know, I, if you're gonna uh, well, go with yeah. one of these, you go Isbell.
1: He's he's the best. Uh, well, we hope finding your fryer made you feel a little better. And I do appreciate your point that. Uh, our friend who was able to find a frie Austin that uh, is actually accessible right now might be might be onto something. Uh, maybe we should all try to be like Austin. Smaller dreams, <laughs> smaller yeah, that's, dreams.
0: That's a Usually truth. I a-
1: wouldn't I wouldn't advocate for that, but maybe this time.
0: The Heat, by the way, are onto something. They've outscored the Bucks 32 to 13 in the Oof. fourth. They're up 107 to 100 with about a minute left. It looks like mm, this run is. I'm understanding is-
1: the music now. It's, oh. it's it took me a while. It's a Friday. I may have started my uh, finding my Friday a little early, a little slow on the uptake. The heat is on, indeed. Freddie and Fitzsimmons sure to be talking about that game coming up next. Have a great Friday.